1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: Hello, and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. Coming up on episode 14 of the World Soccer Talk podcast, we discuss big news for fans of Liga MX in the United States, our thoughts regarding Fox's coverage of the Champions League this week, as well as lots of news from Major League Soccer. I'd like to welcome our special guest this week, Jonathan Tannenwald. Jonathan, how are you?
1: Doing very well, Chris. Thanks for having me.
2: Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, uh, you taking the time to be on here. And uh, the first segment we do, uh, Jonathan, is uh, what we've been watching. So uh, from this past week, any highlights or any memorable uh, incidents or uh, anything from a, also from a, so- a Socket Media perspective that was uh, remarkable or, or uh, basically kind of something to work, worth talking about? How about you, Karthik?
0: Let's, let's have you uh, start off in terms of what you've been watching this past week. Yeah, so I watched the Ingolstadt Bayern game on Fox, on FS1 on Saturday, and I thought the, the Fox's Bundesliga coverage, I think, is getting better and better. And I'd love to get Jonathan's take on that in, in a few minutes. Uh, Kate Abdo has, his, uh, has increased the level, uh, upgraded the level in the studio. He enjoyed did a great job, but now he's freed up to, to fill other rules. And I think Eric Winalda is getting stronger and stronger every week, regardless of who he's paired with. I mean, in a lot of cases, he's carrying... Yovan Karowski or whoever the other analyst is, but um, I actually enjoyed their their broadcast of this game, um, and uh, they're giving us Derek Ray a lot, <laughs> Derek Ray and Owen Hargreaves a lot on uh, Bundesliga calls also. So, uh, uh, including this game with uh, with Ingolstadt, so uh, this was uh, this was a very very good game to watch, um, and um, for me, listening to Winalda now uh, on the Bundesliga broadcast and, and Kate Abdo bringing the best out of him is is and i know this is going to get a lot of our listeners angry to me it's more interesting than listening to rebecca lowe and robbie earl and robbie Mosto go through the motions and say things that i think are pretty predictable not that they don't do a credible professional job they do but uh, when kyle martino is not on nbc which he wasn't this past weekend uh to me the uh analysis i don't want to say it's stale because it's good analysis but it's predictable it's entirely predictable from both of them and, and you kind of know what's going on in the studio maybe it's just uh Familiarity reading a little bit of contempt for me, so um, I've been watching more and more Fox's Bundesliga coverage in that time slot where they compete with one another—the 9:30 a.m. Eastern Time Bundesliga versus 10 a.m. Eastern Time Premier League um, uh, games. Uh, I, but I did go back to NBC to watch Liverpool Spurs, which uh, was on um, which was on NBC uh, proper, NBC over there, and in, in, uh, NBCSN pregame, and, and I thought it was. Uh, uh, f- Disappointing game. NBC did a great job with the broadcast, but it was a disappointing game in, in that uh, Mauricio Pochettino did not have a game plan to counter a high pressing side. Something you would think he'd be familiar with since he does it himself. But um, Ben Davies was a bit of a nightmare at left back for, for Spurs. But more notably for me, they they didn't pass out of the back particularly well, and that didn't go uh, go well for them. And then on uh, on Sunday, the assorted. Uh, matches I kept an eye on. Obviously, the Leicester City story, which I will say NBC did a, did a good job with that on Sunday. And then on Monday, Liam McHugh stepped in for Rebecca Lowe, uh, which is becoming almost a regular occurrence during uh, on weekdays, which is good. Uh, and McHugh does a very, very credible job. And obviously, his forte is doing uh, NHL and uh, uh, Notre Dame football and other things for uh, NBCSN. But he stepped in and did a good job around the Bournemouth-Manchester uh, City match and uh, um, Aguero being dropped again, but then Jesus getting injured and Aguero uh, sliding in. So uh, that was uh, that was kind of it for me uh, this week.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to, to kind of uh, dive into there. For me, the Liverpool-Spurs game, I mean, to me, the first half was, like, ferocious. It was... Um... High tempo, I mean, in terms of pressing, yeah, it would been, it would have been great if it was more competitive between Liverpool and Spurs. Uh, but Sado Amane, that just goes to show what a difference he makes. And uh, I, I thought it was a really entertaining game. I enjoyed it. Uh, Jonathan, what's, what's your perspective in terms of the Bundesliga's um, coverage on Fox with, with Kate Abdo joining and kind of, uh, kind of rearranging the deck chairs a little bit there in terms of um, what they bring and, and if it improves the, the quality of the actual
1: broadcast? Well, I'd say a couple of things. First of all, for those of your listeners who don't know, I've, I've been a fan of and a watcher of the Bundesliga for a very long time, since well before it got on Fox, to the point where for a year I stumped up for the uh, for the Sky Deutschland uh, satellite package on my, my dish box, uh, which was not cheap, but I think probably was worth the money in the end. Um, I don't watch a lot of studio coverage, usually because I'm watching games so much and jumping back and forth. Uh, I I think Kate Abdo is a smart hire by Fox. Obviously, uh, she is going to play a role not only with their Bundesliga coverage, uh, but with their World Cup coverage down the road. She was already part of their Women's World Cup coverage in 2015, their coverage of the FIFA election. So she's got a big role to play. She did a long interview recently with Grant, with, uh, Grant Wall of Sports Illustrated that I'd recommend for the listeners when they uh, are done listening to this show, of course. Uh, it, it's interesting, Kardik, to hear you say that she brings the best out of Eric Winalda because Eric Winalda rarely needs any prompting, does he? Uh,
0: <laughs> right. Sorry. She knows uh, how to beat him, I guess.
1: Well, so th- the things that I watched uh, over the last few days, it's interesting that you were – I I watched only bits and pieces of Bayern Engelstadt, Uh I know Derek Ray a little bit. I've interviewed him a few times. I'm very happy uh, when Fox uh, and BT get together. and Because and, he and Owen Hargraves are the BT sport crew. And so I guess the Bundesliga syndicates their commentary internationally. Uh, but the game I watched, believe it or not, was Dortmund-Darmstadt. Uh, because it was Christian Pulisic versus Terence Boyd. And uh, that came with not a, the best performance by Pulisic, but, but Terence Boyd's first goal in the Bundesliga uh, which I think is a pretty big deal. I, I, you know, there was a time when a lot of us thought that he might be coming to MLS, uh, but going to Darmstadt is a move up. Obviously, it might not be a move up forever since they're nailed to the bottom, I believe, of the standings at this point. Uh, but great to see him score his first goal in the Bundesliga and to see that he is coming back into form. The other games I watched, admittedly, were MLS preseason games. Uh, very nice to see that a lot of them have been available on YouTube this year. Uh, which makes them easy not only to watch, but for those of us in the media uh, to distribute to our local audiences and and maybe expand the reach a little bit that way. I've watched Minnesota United a few times to see how they're coming together ahead of their MLS debut. Uh, I've watched Atlanta. I watched the Atlanta United Chattanooga game for a few minutes, and boy, does Atlanta look like they have some very dangerous attacking players on that team. And, uh, you know, Minnesota uh, is in this preseason tournament in Portland. One of the other teams there is Vancouver. Uh, They opened the season against the Union, uh, so I've been watching a bit of that.
2: Now, Kartik, going back just for a minute to uh, NBC's coverage, and you're comparing it to uh, Fox's coverage of the Bundesliga, I do agree that um, Monday's um, basically kind of uh, pre-match halftime and post-match analysis with Lee McHugh and uh, the two Robbies, to me it was very flat and I think Liam doesn't have the same energy that Rebecca does. So the two Robbies kind of responded to that, too. It just seemed like a very flat analysis, nothing kind of exciting. It was kind of just like humdrum kind of a feedback or analysis. Um, I personally still enjoy uh, even the two Robbies, you mean kind of the, the, the two of them together with Rebecca, with Kyle. I prefer it with Kyle. But I think there's still enough there. Uh, at the same time, with Bundesliga, it'll be interesting this weekend because uh, we've got the FA Cup coverage coming up, and so Kate Abdo is going to be leading the FA Cup coverage, and then Ian Joy goes back into the hosting uh, position for the Bundesliga. So that's a great thing about Ian Joy too; he's very versatile. He's, he can be a, a host, he can be a co-commentator, he can be an analyst, and it, that appears to be kind of the, I guess, in terms of uh, kind of the, I guess, the flexibility. With Ian, I think Ian's going to be stepping in whenever necessary to fill whatever positions uh, they need, which is great for you Joy. But uh, overall, and, and that's the thing with the Bundesliga, I think uh, the actual football, I think we, we can all agree, is great. The atmospheres are, to me, some of the best in the world. The only tough thing is just the, that's just the scheduling, and it's scheduling almost exactly the same as the, as the Premier League, and it's it's difficult. Um, I, my allegiance is usually with the Premier League, because so I prefer that league historically, but, um, but that's, that's the tough thing for the Bundesliga, and I, and I don't see that changing anytime soon with the fan support within the Bundesliga. So, can I throw up sure. to you
1: about Chris? Sure, absolutely. How much of a factor in the viewing preferences of the wider audience, uh, the, the, you, know, you and I both spend a lot of time studying, but they can be hard to pin down, um, how much of the, a factor along the way do you think uh, the many American players in the Bundesliga will be. Is that going to be enough of a card for Fox in the Bundesliga to play to get people to watch those games?
2: I don't think so, not quite yet. So, so Christian Pulisic is probably the one shining example of somebody that could push the envelope a little bit in terms of, I uh, mean, kind of basically putting the question in, in soccer fans' minds in the U.S. Like, should I watch the you mean the Dortmund game or should I watch I don't know Hull City against Arsenal or something like that? Um, the more Americans that are playing within the Bundesliga, definitely. I think that's going to help grow those numbers slowly but surely. Uh, if you have a Pulisic that's going to, you mean, basically kind of take it to the next level in terms of performance and assists and goals, and he's doing a great job, um, that can change it slowly but surely. But I, I don't think it's going to be kind of a, a sharp spike upwards. Uh, I think it's slow and gradual because um, at the end of the day, you mean, and that's the thing too. About the Premier League, there aren't a lot of Americans left in the Premier League, um, but still, I think a lot of it is kind of in terms of what we're, I don't know, what we've been uh, accustomed to watching for you know, half a decade or a decade or more. For some, uh, it's tough, yeah, and that's and that's the thing with the Bundesliga and Fox. They have a difficult, challenging job ahead of them in terms of uh, trying to continually increase those numbers. Uh, but the American aspect definitely will help. But I don't think it's going to be a slam dunk. Um, in terms of what I saw this past weekend, um, um, Kartik or Jonathan, I'm not sure if you saw this one, but the, the Arsenal-Hull game, uh, this was interesting uh, from from the perspective of the, the two controversial decisions, uh, which seems so long ago now, too, after this Bayern Munich uh, uh, mauling of Arsenal. But the, the first goal, which was Alexis Sanchez, the handball that went in the back of the net, um, that was ruled a goal, and then towards the end of the game, too, with with the whole City, unfortunately, the defender hitting kind of it's more of his shoulder or upper arm, and then Arsenal receiving the penalty on that one and, and scoring it. Uh, what was interesting from my perspective was the consensus from the two Robbies was that uh, the Alexis Sanchez goal uh, should have stood, and this was like kind of the halftime analysis, uh, and they kind of went through their reasons. They said even though it was handball, I mean, he didn't, he, there's nothing he could have done about it. But what was interesting was post-match, NBC Sports uh, contacted uh, the PGMOL by phone, and the Referees Association said that the goal should not have been allowed because no matter whether it's a natural or unnatural uh, use of the hands, a goal cannot be allowed if it's scored with a hand. So that, I thought, was really some great, great analysis and kind of hearing it straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, uh, for Hull fans, that's awful. Just because, in terms of feeling cheated in, in this game, especially in the position they're in, in terms of just trying to escape from uh, relegation, but it just goes to show a couple of things. One is is that uh, the analysts aren't always correct, which I think I think we all know that. But but sometimes it's good, good to kind of um, you mean hear hear it from the experts. Um, and the second thing is is how beneficial uh, it is that NBC is in close contact with the PGMOl. Uh, On the other hand, I think with uh, Joe Magnick from the the FIFA match commissioner with uh, Fox Sports, it's good to get his insight, but I don't know how credible his insight is in comparison to the Referees Association. So that's probably up for debate. I know there's some questionable calls that he made or uh, insights he gave, I think, last summer for the Gold Cup. But still, interesting enough in terms of... uh, kind of the perspective we get for the TV viewers and and trying to understand why the goal should have stood or or not.
1: You would know this, Chris. Does UEFA offer that to its rights holders?
2: I don't think so. I I think in terms of, from what my understanding, is, it's just in terms of relationships. So I think it's NBC being proactive and contacting the the PGMOL. Same thing for Fox Sports. I think it it would just be them being proactive and uh, contacting the... uh, I guess the UEFA directly, or kind of the, the referee side of things there, in terms of just trying to establish a contact and saying, like, hey, you mean, if we do have questions on air, uh, would it be possible to get to get your own opinion, kind of kind of uh, straight up? Uh, but I don't,
1: I don't know how high up uh, UEFA's order of caring boxes. Uh, yeah. I know, I mean, NBC obviously and the Premier League have a very tight relationship now that's got a lot of money behind it. I just don't know. If Fox and UEFA or Fox and the Bundesliga, I mean, obviously, if it was MLS, they could call Peter Walton. But I don't know what that relationship is like with UEFA and the Bundesliga.
2: Exactly, exactly, and especially with uh, UEFA as a whole. I mean, if it's Champions League, I you mean, you've got you mean every single basically country in the world that's uh, broadcasting the Champions League. So, um, but I think NBC having a close relationship with the Premier League and uh, and also I think it was it last season when. Um, I think Arlo White and Graham Lissou and Lee Dixon went to the PGMOL and kind of spent a day with the referees and kind of got some insight in terms of how difficult that that job is and everything that they go through. Um, that probably helped in terms of kind of just establishing a closer relationship and good contacts there. But 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 you're right, you're right, Jonathan. In terms of um, that might be an advantage for NBC that maybe Fox doesn't have so much with. I mean, whether it's the Bundesliga or the or UEFA or other associations. Um, Something else I watched this weekend, especially for me personally as a Swansea City fan, uh, I'm going through the whole relegation cycle in terms of just trying to hope that my team escapes it. So far, so good. But for the goal rush, I watched the uh, the 10 o'clock games on Saturday the Eastern Time games, the Premier League matches uh, with goal rush because I wanted to kind of stay stay up to date in terms of what was happening with Crystal Palace and Sunderland and Hull City. And for me, that's a great way to kind of keep track of all the games that are happening all at once. Uh, without just focusing on one game and then missing out on everything else. So, so that was a, a great day for me, too, because Crystal Palace and Sunderland, um, I think, both both lost and uh, gave Swansea the advantage. Uh, speaking of Swansea, I watched the game. Actually, I didn't watch the game. So Swansea-Leicester, possibly the biggest game of the season for Swansea in terms of, uh, I mean, if they would win this game, that would definitely push them up into sixth from bottom. This one was interesting for me because my daughter had a, a travel soccer game uh, at the same exact time. So I, I wasn't able to watch the game live, but I couldn't uh, watch it on delay later. I couldn't, I couldn't wait. So what I did was I listened to uh, the match. So I, I got the TuneIn app, which is on iOS and Android. And if you listen to um, the BBC World Service through that app, you can get uh, you can get the Radio Five live broadcast the radio commentary of Swansea against uh, Leicester on on the Sunday, and uh, if you listen to it directly through BBC Five Live through you know, whether it 's um, apps or or um, through the web you 'll get a message saying that sorry due to rights restrictions we can 't uh, show you this game or play this game, but if you go through BBC World Service, you can actually get it and for me. It was an enjoyable day. I mean, I, I was really sucked into that game and just was feeling so excited that they could actually you know, win it 2-0 and it uh, makes me a much happier person. And actually, you know, in terms of my weekends, it makes them more, more tolerable. <laughs> um, other things I was watching too, Just, just, and feel free to chime in, guys, if, if you saw any of this too. On Tuesday, I watched the, uh, the Benfica against Dortmund game. And uh, I was kind of looking between PSG and and, um, Barcelona or Benfica and Dortmund. I ended up watching the first half of Benfica-Dortmund, which was non-stop tempo to begin the game, really open-ended, back and forth. Uh, You had Gary uh, Taphouse commentating. But as the game went on, I actually decided to do the multi-screen option on Fox Sports Go and have half of the screen with Benfica-Dortmund and then the other half of the screen with... uh, PSG against Barca uh, side by side, and that was a great way to kind of keep an eye on both matches. Um, one of the things I thought in terms of the Champions League on Fox, and this is a question, maybe it's a question for another show, kind of a, you I mean, in terms of going even more in depth, but I'm wondering is it time for Fox Sports to feature the best UEFA Champions League games on FS1 instead of always putting the English Premier League teams on? And for example, next week we've got. Uh, FS1 is putting on uh, Sevilla against Leicester, which in itself I'm sure will be a great game. But at the same time on FS2 it's Porto against Juventus, and uh, I would, I mean to me personally I'd probably think the Porto Juventus game might be more exciting to watch. Uh, also I think on the Tuesday FS1 has Man City against Monaco, uh, sorry Kotek, and uh, FS2 has <laughs> Leverkusen against Atleti. And to me, like, Leverkusen against Atleti is probably going to be more interesting than the Man City-Monaco game. What, what do you guys think in terms of... Uh, I mean, we know why they do it, because it's for TV ratings, but do you guys think that, I mean, maybe Fox should reconsider, you mean, the, the way they, they schedule games?
1: I think, well, uh, the, I think the ratings factor is so strong still. The, 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 the degree to which the English Premier League teams... And, and you can probably add Barcelona and Real Madrid to that. Right. But... but those teams are, draw audiences that are so much bigger even than Bayern Munich which you would think on a, like if Bayern Munich was playing Juventus or some some other team you would think Bayern Munich would be able to and they haven't been able to yet that's, i don't that's true and they they remember they do want fans we're going to get into this more i think a little later they do want fans to call their cable providers that they don't carry fox sports 2 and complain to them about it and the only way they're going to do that is to put desirable stuff on Fox Sports 2. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would say, and I don't think this so much applies to the knockout rounds because there's only two games going on at a time, but during the group stage, they do the you know, the multi-match whip-around show. They put it on Fox Soccer Plus and on their streaming. I'd like to see them put that on, on Fox Sports 1 once or twice because it's really entertaining. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets you everything. And I think it would give the viewer in the U S more of a taste of everything that's going on than just picking one featured game with a, with a Chelsea or a Manchester city.
0: Kostik, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have to admit that I, I didn't watch champions league this week. I generally don't watch champions league. It's midweek. It's um, mid afternoon. it's, it just conflicts with other things. And to me, the games are never too interesting, but a game like labor, Le- labor, I would watch. To me, that's interesting. I mean, seeing Bayern play Arsenal twice a year is not interesting to me. Uh, I know PSG beat Barcelona, but I've seen that matchup a bunch of times. Not interesting to me. Uh, Manchester City, Monaco, not really very interesting. Although Monaco has been very good this year, right? And they're, they're leading Liga, so maybe maybe that's a, little, that's, a, that's a sleeper. But I'd love to see more games like Leverkusen Atleti. uh, but dry, uh, ratings are the driver, and we live in a big club, World, and that's part of the reason why Champions League isn't very compelling to me because it's the same, same clubs winning Champions League every year and it's the same matchups in the knockout stages and the same thing seems to happen in the group stage every year. Um, the PSG defeat of Barcelona is a little bit of a, a, a curveball to that, but still it's PSG. It's not, uh, it's not Leverkusen, it's not uh, Schalke, it's not a club like that beating Barcelona. Um, I like Jonathan's idea about the multi-match 90. I think that's something that could help build... The uh, profile of Champions League, particularly on the final group stage uh, games, when there was a lot at stake and, and qualification for the next round, or the team, or also qualification third place going to Europa League, is at um, is at stake. But for me, I tend to like Europa League better. I'm going to watch Europa League today. I didn't watch Champions League this week, so um, it's it's about competitiveness. Um, I don't. I know that those sexy clubs. Uh, although it seems like one English club that's sexy is falling to the Europa League every year for Fox, um, and of course they will show Manchester United today. But um, beyond beyond that, I know that Europa League isn't um, as marketable as Champions League. But to me, if if you if you're into competitive soccer, it's probably more interesting.
2: I I like the idea of the whip around coverage. Uh, the challenge I, I think the fo- that, that actually. Um... NBC has had with the Premier League, when they have done it before for, I think, New Year's Day and, and a couple of other t- times they've done it, there's been a lot of people complaining, like, Ah, why, why don't you show in the Arsenal game? I, I think that's one, one thing. There's always going to be people complaining no matter what. <laughs> so Fox can't win. But I do like the idea, especially, um, I mean, the multi-match 90 to me is probably the best thing that Fox Sports does. I mean, I, I really love it. Uh, and it's a great way to experience the Champions League, especially those group, group stages where there's so many matches going on and things are happening you know, so quickly that it's impossible for you to kind of figure out okay which game do I watch, but also what's happening at the different matches. It's amazing how much how much things go on during those games. And if you just watch FS1 or FS2, I think you're missing out. Um, but but at, at the end of the day, I, I think it's actually for next week's games, though, uh, guys. I think that the Leverkusen against Atleti. I would say would actually probably get greater TV ratings uh, on FS1 if it was on FS1 than Man City against Monaco. I mean, Monaco, you're not going to get a lot of people watching that one. We've seen that by the League One, uh, Ligue 1, uh TV TV numbers. Um, yes, Monaco is the top the top of the table, and it's an interesting game to watch. Man City still is not kind of in the top tier of you I mean the most watched Premier League teams either. Um, although with pep you mean in terms of being in, in the champions league and that adds a different dynamic i would think with leverkusen with the i mean the Chicharito effect atleti i mean diego Simeone, and you mean antoine griezmann and he got down the list that one by itself in isolation could get more viewers than man city against monaco at the same time you know that people would be complaining like crazy if, like why aren't you showing the man city game uh, on fs1 and why have you pushed it to fs2 but um, I, I think it's something for Fox to at least consider and maybe test. Um, they haven't done it yet, but maybe in, maybe in the future, maybe they'll, they'll kind of think about, okay, maybe we'll just switch it up a little bit. Because at the same time, I mean, to me, really, the Premier League really at this point is more of a Europa League um, competition than it is a Champions League competition. I mean, Arsenal is probably going to be out. You've got Man City, hopefully they'll do well. Uh, Leicester? I mean, Leicester is a big question mark, but uh, it
0: just seems the Premier League is becoming more of a... Yeah, Euro- the Premier league. league I think there's a very good, strong likelihood the Premier League will be out of Europe or not out of Europe, sorry, out of the, out of the Champions League completely. I mean, I think Monaco will beat Man City. I think Sevilla, Leicester... Uh, <laughs> Sevilla should I mean, Leicester's just not... Right. Yeah, right. right. So I think, I think the Premier League will probably be done with the Champions League.
1: Uh, Let me say this about the Bayer Leverkusen Athletic game, which I, I agree is going to be a great one, but the, the factor... Is, is in terms of viewership and interest is whether Chicharito plays. And it's a little bit the same as Fox has to deal with with its Bundesliga coverage. When people ask me all the time, why don't they put Borussia Dortmund on FS1 every week? And the answer is because they don't know until an hour before, like all the rest of us, if Christian Pulisic is going to play. Mm-hmm. If, if Chicharito is not playing on Tuesday, then you know, the ratings appeal of that game drops considerably. The other factor involved, and I've noticed this is something that you see in particular on the days when there are only two games. ESPN Deportes gets a slice of the Champions League rights in Spanish. Usually, the ESPN Deportes game is on Fox Sports 2 in English. I'm not sure whether that's because ESPN Deportes has wider carriage. I don't know if they do at this point. I don't know what the numbers are, Mm -hmm. but it does give an option for viewers who don't have Fox Sports 2, and it also, as I've said before, if they were to put Man City on Fox Sports 2, just the way that they've probably been there before, so have Arsenal, so have Chelsea. If people get that annoyed, call your cable provider and tell them that you want Fox Sports 2. And I think at this point the only major provider nationally that doesn't give Fox Sports 2 to everybody is Comcast. And I suspect that within the next... At most 12 to 18 months, that might get sorted because I think that's when that carriage deal comes up for renewal.
2: Yeah, that's good news. And and we'll get more into that a little bit later. That that that,
0: that point Jonathan made about ESPN Deportes is is a very, very very good point. Uh, That's escaped my mind in previous shows. But I have noticed that that during the group stage, the games that were on FS2 generally were... The games that were carried on Deportes as well. And, and uh, there may have only been one or two exceptions during the group stage. That was generally the rule of thumb, which um, hurt the case of, uh, of Fox mm-hmm. to try and get uh, FS2 on, uh, get people to call and call their cable providers uh, if they got Deportes because they were get, seeing those games anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a different audience. I'm not sure there, how much overlap of the audience.
0: True, that's uh, true too.
1: Spanish speakers. I don't know. Chris, maybe you do.
2: Yeah, that that I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I know the ESPN deportes numbers are a lot smaller, but um, but it's a good point too in terms of FS2. I mean, we know that FS2, I mean, gets has a difficult time getting TV numbers too, just in, in terms of distribution. But FS2 plus ESPN deportes to, uh, combined, I mean, that that helps at least try to get distribute that game out there. But in terms of overlap, I'm, I'm not sure on that one. Um, it, in other Champions League news, so, so the Bayern against Arsenal game, uh, for those who missed it, um, it was John Strong and Stuart Holden commentating. And I thought both of them did a great job. No complaints there. Um, they're also going to be doing, Karthik, the uh, Manchester City against Monaco game next week. And then for today's Europa League games, I think Keith Costigan is going to be doing uh, some of the commentating, uh, both this round
0: and the next round. But... Well, that's good that Fox is using John Strong, to call these champions league knockout games. Uh, that's a, uh, that's that's an appropriate use of his time and his talents. It's been, un- it's unfortunate they haven't done that the previous two years when they've had the ability to do that with him. Maybe they weren't comfortable with a, a broadcast partner and now they are with Stu Holden. Maybe that was the consideration, uh, but I'm, I'm very glad that that's happened because I think he's um, probably at this point, the elite American commentator voice and mm-hmm. uh, we need to get him as much exposure. Now I, this sounds like I'm, I'm, it's a cause, but maybe it is for a lot of us who are American, and we need to get John Strong as much exposure, calling big, relevant matches to international audiences, to, to the to the audience that doesn't necessarily watch Major League Soccer or the U.S. Men's National Team regularly uh, in this country. So I'm, I'm glad Fox is doing that.
2: I, yeah, from my my side, I, I don't think it's a cause. I think that the both uh, are good enough to to be at that level, and, and we saw that from John Strong uh, yesterday. In terms of his calls for the goals, I mean, I mean, they, they, they stand just as good as any other commentator out there. Um, and Stuart Holden has come a long way and continues to improve. So I think the two of them combined, it's probably a hint that uh, we're going to get John Strong and Stuart Holden uh, through each stage of the Champions League for some of these big games, probably all the way through to the final, um, where, where I'm sure they'll be commentating that too. So, so, so hats off to, to both of them for doing a great job there. Uh, in terms of the Champions League coverage on Fox, sports, uh, just a couple more things uh, before we move on to the next segment. Uh, I really think, and this is some, something from we've talked about a little bit in the past before too, but I think Fox should uh, consider renaming the Champions League pregame show to something like Fox Soccer News or Fox Soccer Update. Because um, when I watch it, there's very little actually pregame coverage. It's um, I, I watched I think 10 or 15 minutes of it on Tuesday, and again about 10 or 15 minutes on Wednesday and it featured zero Champions League coverage. I I know there's a little bit probably at the beginning and a little bit at the end, but for the most part, um, for example, on Tuesday, they talked about um, a a player not coming to MLS uh, because of the Trump ban. Uh, The second thing was, I think, they were talking about when the MLS games were going to be on FS1. Uh, They had a segment with uh, Joe Magnick and Alexi Lalas talking about video assistant referees in in Major League Soccer. And then Wednesday, they talked about uh, Timothy Tillman Who's at Bayern Munich, and on the radar for the U.S. youth team, as well as Bob Bradley possibly going to LAFC, and then also talking about the MLS season that starts two weeks uh, uh, from today or around around about this time. I, I know that I mean, I mean a lot of that is kind of from Grant Wall in terms of having him as a Fox Sports um, correspondent reporter, um, but it's it just it's it's almost like a bait and switch. I mean, you're, you're tuning in to watch Champions League pre-game. And it ends up being Fox Soccer News. I don't know. To me, I, I just have, prefer if they just called it Fox Soccer News, and they could throw in some Champions League pregame stuff in there too. But ah, that—that's that, what—that's my thoughts on that one, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I wish they'd call it a forty-five minute pregame show instead of a half hour and then fifteen minutes, because they they bill it, they bill it as two separate entities. And you know, look, I don't know if anybody's going to watch a segment called Fox Soccer. I mean, you could call it. I'd call it the Fox Soccer Report. Right. Bring back really old name.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, All right. Totally. You know, look, it, it's I. I don't I don't know. I don't know how that would affect the number of people watching. You could probably argue that whoever is going to watch is already watching anyway. What I will say is that that Grant Wall segment has become, I think, one of the most significant blocks of soccer television that is out there. Because between SI and Fox, they work very well together to use that segment to break news that oftentimes nobody else has. And it has become you know, required tuning in, I think, for those of us who, who are in and around the game, whether fans, journalists, or whatever, because there's always something uh, that is really, really breaking or significant. I think they've done a very good job with it.
2: Yeah, I think they've done a good job of it, but it is very MLS-focused, though. And, and, and to me, it's not really focused on World soccer,
0: mean, or just soccer from around the globe. Um, to, 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 to what extent has this been pushed by the fact that Taylor Twelman regularly breaks news for ESPN, be it on Twitter, be it breaking into ESPN shows, be it on ESPN FC? I mean, is this a reaction? I don't think or so. Is, you don't think so? Oh, I mean, uh, this
1: guess. was happening before Taylor really started moving into more of the reporting stuff. And Grant, obviously, has been True. breaking yeah. news. For a long time, I I think it maybe accelerated a little when when Fox and Sports Illustrated struck a deal for something of a content partnership. What was that? I don't know, eight months, a year or so ago. Maybe that accelerated a little bit. Um, But, you know, it's I mean, Chris, all the listeners know my biases towards the American game out there. So I don't mind. And if it if it if it sort of cross pollinates people a little bit, I don't mind that. But, you know, if the, if they were to call the first half hour the Fox Soccer Report, I wouldn't mind that. But then again, as I said, if they were to call the whole 45 minutes one show instead of two different shows and then sort of spread out the Champions League talk in the beginning and the middle of the end, that might not be the worst thing
0: either. Yeah, yeah I like the idea of bringing back the Fox Soccer Soccer Report nomenclature and applying that to everything, not just Champions League, but then also maybe Bundesliga league of pregame, FA Cup pregame and whatever else uh, Fox has, uh, including uh, FIFA events. I, I think uh, I think a lot of us missed the Fox Soccer Report. Although uh, we expect to hear uh, hear some Canadian accents with it, of course, right? When we hear the Fox Soccer Report right. game, but. Um, I think that that's a great idea because that would that would tie in more viewers, including myself, who may say oh, I don't want to see Bayern play Arsenal again. We see this matchup every year; it's predictable. Bayern always wins, etc. So I, I think that's good because uh, Jonathan is right. I mean, there has been a lot of breaking news that Gr- that Grant Wall breaks during this segment that isn't on SI already, that isn't on Twitter already, that he hasn't been beaten to by um, by by. Or Jeff Carlisle or Taylor Foreman or whoever else uh, might uh, break that news, and it's become indispensable to find out what he's going to say. And it seems like every Champions League match day, he's breaking something. He's breaking some bit of news. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with both you guys too. I mean, I think the the Fox Soccer Report that'd be a great, a great name for the the segment. And then, uh, in some ways, maybe they'll bring in more viewers. Maybe people that maybe not, are not interested in Champions League but just want to tune in and see what the latest news is. Um, before they do maybe, say, 15 minutes of, of pre-game coverage of, of whatever uh, that uh, Champions League day is. is. am going to take a brief break here and uh, talk about buying tickets online. And for, to buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come a long way and uh, created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans like you to buy and sell tickets. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I just used it the other day to look for tickets for the Gold Cup. that's just coming this summer to uh, across the United States. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best deal possible. Also, SeatGeek uh, does all of the work and saves you all the time and money. Also, SeatGeek wants to help you uh, get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners to the Wool Soccer Talk podcast, get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you need to do. To get your $20 uh, rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Then enter the promo code WSTPOD. Again, the promo code is WSTPOD. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. So so let's move on, guys, to segment uh, two of the show, which is the TV streaming news. Um, I'll kick kick it off. And uh, the big news coming this week is that uh, Liga MX games are now going to be available in English language on Facebook Live. And this is something we've spoken about actually for several weeks now on the show, just talking in terms of how well the TV numbers are doing but the challenge of not having English language broadcasts. Well, I think uh, Univision has listened, and um, they will be providing... Up to forty-six games in two thousand and seventeen in English language on Facebook Live. Uh, the first one is this weekend, uh, El Super Clasico between Chivas and America, and uh, it's going to be commentated. At least this p- first one, at least, is going to be by uh, Nico Cantor, who is uh, Andres Cantor's uh, son, and also um, Ramsey's um, Sandoval. So both of those guys are going to be commentating the games. Uh, this is this is big news, guys. Uh, yeah, I just, I just wonder how, how, what the numbers will be like in terms of how many people will tune in. I think it'll, it'll take time, but, um, but how big do you guys think this
1: is? Well, I, I think it's big on a few levels. One, let's step back for a minute and say Univision has tried to do a couple of English-language Liga MX broadcasts over the years. They weren't always successful, in part because I think, as much as I know a lot of their talent, they were not always picking the right talent to do it. In Ramses Sandoval and Nico Cantor, they have two guys who know the English language broadcasting rhythm, which is different from the Spanish language broadcasting rhythm. There's no question about it. And they, they can do that, I think, and be successful at it. Ramsey Sandoval does their English language MLS broadcasts. Um, it was not always perfect, as we know, but it has gotten better. I think we can all agree with that.
2: Yep.
1: Um, Nico Cantor, in addition to being Andres' son... Is part of the radio shows that they do. He's he was part of their Copa America coverage, I think as a sideline reporter. Uh, I
0: it's it's really neat for him. Uh, yeah, and I, I should point out that that I actually we we hired him to do the Four Lauderdale Strikers broadcast, and he did it for two years for us uh, as the play-by-play guy, working with uh, with Juan Arango and with uh, and, and with Drake Cordero at times, and, and guys we brought in from Gold TV. and so he he got very. This was in 2011, and he. Gradually, and at first the, the thought was, oh, you just hire him because he's uh, uh, Andres Cantor's son. But he got better and better and better to the point that he was really comfortable with the cadence that uh, the audience, which was an English-language audience, uh, granted a niche-limited audience that watches NASL games, but the cadence that they wanted, the type of calls they wanted, and very familiar with the league. So I, I think he's very good, and now we're four or five years on from that. So um, I'm, I'm very happy to see him get this opportunity. Uh, uh, Go ahead, Chris. uh, Go go, go ahead.
1: Uh, The the other question is the the amount of viewers. Mm -hmm. And I would caution folks. We've got to be, all of us who work in the reporting business, especially those of us who write about the sports media and soccer on television, things like that. We have to be really careful in how we write about this. Because just because the number of people who are going to quote-unquote watch these games mm-hmm. is going to be high because they are going to land right in the middle of fa- people's Facebook feeds, whether they like it or not, and you're going to watch five seconds, and that's going to count. Right. You see now that Facebook is autoplaying videos with sound.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's going to skew it, for sure.
1: Right, and yeah. it's going to skew it really high. Right. The, the metric that a lot of us use, both fortunately now, the TV networks themselves, they didn't always, but they do now, and those of us who report on those numbers is the average minute audience. That's the number to watch for, to see whether Univision reports it, whether Facebook reports it. That number is lower than the number of unique viewers because a unique viewer can watch, on one person can watch on multiple devices and be counted twice and obviously it's a lot lower than the number of total minutes streamed that's the number that i think is going to be really high because um it's going to get exposed to so many people whether they like it or not mm-hmm.
2: yeah this this game too in particular i mean what what better game than to start it off with uh, chivas against america but uh, it should be interesting to see in terms of um how this get up, gets out there too in terms of you mean people that may not uh, be massive, hardcore soccer fans, but but may like a casual... I mean, tr- just trying to watch it and see what happens. Um, a couple of things with this, too, is... One is I asked uh, Univision whether there's any plans at some point to uh, take the English-language audio commentary and put that on SAP. Um, at this time, there isn't any plans to do that, so it's Facebook Live all the way for the English-language side. And the second thing, too, the way that the rights are set up in um, in Mexico is it's on a club-by-club basis... And when I met with Univision a couple of months ago, they said that they have been actively going to each individual club and trying to acquire the English language rights for each of those, those teams. So I don't think they have all of them. And that's probably, that, yeah, that's probably why so far we haven't got the actual full schedule of which, which games it's going to be. Um, so, so, but, but still, I mean, it's a great step forward and it's a great test. I mean, it's a test to see how this will work at that level, We've seen Facebook Live being used in the past before, but this this raises the bar to the next level. I mean, the most watched um, league in the United States, how is that going to transfer to Facebook Live in terms of you know, people watching it there? Um, this we shall see.
1: Lee MX has to unify the broadcast rights. That is the next big step for them. There's a lot of conversation now about that going on in Mexico as well as in the United States, because I believe up here... The rights are split three ways between Univision, Telemundo, and Azteca America. You could still unify all of the rights and then have one package that is, I don't know, 60% of the games, one package that is 30, and one that 10, and say you only get one. So whoever bids the most gets the 60, the second most gets the 30, and the third most gets the 10. But that's got to happen, because it's crazy what the way their rights are set up now, and they're just as split domestically as they are internationally. Yeah. Now here's a question to Chris, you just said. This is a shot across the bow at a lot of enemies. None more so than Major League Soccer. Yep. And as good a product as MLS Live is, and from everything I've heard, it's going to be even better this year with multicasting options and things like that. At some point, MLS has to do this. They have to. Right. And they can take the step beyond what Univision is doing, where it's only going to be available in the United States. They can take theirs global probably a little more easily than Liga MX can. Mm-hmm. Um, get together with whether it's Facebook or Twitter, whatever it may be. I've said, remember when they did the, the split broadcast on Fox last fall? With the NFL games? Right, yeah. Yeah. I said that day, do that again next year. You want to regionalize the broadcast, that's fine. Then work with Fox so that all of the games are available to everybody online and do a deal with Twitter to distribute them.
2: Right. Yeah, I think the challenge, though, for Major League Soccer is I know they're pushing heavy into international rights, so Sky Sports and other markets, too. Um, and, And you know, Jonathan, in terms of how all... How well I think they've been surprised, pleasantly surprised, at how well it's done overseas. So, so even if it's US for the beginning, in terms of at least kind of making more games available through Facebook Live and seeing kind of maybe learning some of the lessons from Liga MX and Univision, what they do well, uh, where's the kind of uh, areas for improvement? I think at least if we get some of those games on Facebook Live, I think that's going to help. At the same time, I think I think Kartik, I think I think you mentioned offline that you're working on a, an article about uh, which leagues in the U.S., soccer leagues, are the most accessible. Uh, this, right. this changes if a League MX, in terms of, especially the English language side. If MLS was able to do that, or even just to test it, I mean, with MLS Live, that does kind of throw a spanner in the works, but, you mean, even if they were able to test it for some specific games,
0: and start to see oh, how well it does. Yeah, yeah, no, this is, this is potentially a game-changer, I agree with Jonathan. This is a, maybe a wake-up call to Major League Soccer because we've heard rumors, we've talked for now two or three years. I want to say maybe actually three or four years about them partnering with some sort of distributor uh, online for streaming rights that would be much more, uh, much more accessible than well, MLS have, Live.
1: They have it. The, last year was what, the second year of the, of the eight-year deal, right? Right. ESPN owns all of the out-of-market streaming rights for MLS. They technically give the green light to run MLS Live. And they could, if they wanted to, put all the games on ESPN3, which I've been yelling for years that they should do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes impolitely, sometimes more politely. Um, I've said for a long time that they should do that. I understand why they don't, especially in an era when people are cutting the cord. And I do believe that even now for the $80 or whatever it is, it's still in my mind a a better value in a lot of ways than some of the NBA and the NHL and the baseball and the NBA all cost a lot more. I still think MLS Live is a very good value. They've raised the price a little bit, but they've also got two more teams this year, so there's going to be a lot more games in it. But I I still think the ideal is to put it all on ESPN3 the way ESPN does with college conferences and things like that, and let it be available without a paywall because you will so dramatically expand the audience that way, especially the casual fan who is looking for something to watch on a Saturday night and decides to pick the MLS game because they've heard Michael Bradley's playing or whatever it may be. That's what I do. I know they're hesitant, and I think they might have thought they had a little more time to wait. Now, with what League MX is doing, maybe that'll put the spur under them and they'll they'll move a little quicker.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to watch in terms of what happens and to see the impact of it because it, it could have some big ramifications. Um, and and it's interesting too that I mean YouTube's not in this equation. I mean, I think maybe five years ago YouTube would have been a part of this discussion where we say, okay, well maybe they'll do YouTube Live and stream a game there. Of course, games are streamed still live there from you know USL and uh, USL exactly. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's big news. So, so I think we'll be talking about this in additional weeks on the podcast and kind of seeing in terms of any, any well, not not numbers, but, but in terms of feedback and what people have, have been seeing watching um, these games on Facebook Live and what the experience is like. So I, th- I think that's one to keep an eye out for. take any other news from the world of uh, TV streaming news out there?
0: Yeah, so BN Sports, uh, not surprisingly, but maybe disappointingly to a lot of our listeners, will be airing the Panama U.S. World Cup qualifier uh, in March they have gotten the rights to that uh, we don't know how they acquired the rights maybe it was from traffic sports which was the which has been the case in the past uh, or not but once again uh, i'm sure when that final week of march comes uh, up and the uh, World Cup qualifying uh, international break we're going to have a litany of complaints from fans about uh, a US qualifier and in this case a really really critical qualifier a first away match for Bruce Arena being uh, on BN and not being on ESPN or Fox. And, and it's, um, it's a problem that I think uh, it, it would be nice if, if CONCACAF uh, found some way to unify rights uh, the, the way uh, UEFA has. Uh, they're, they're well behind on that. So it's, um, it's something we're just going to have to continue to have to deal with this cycle for both U.S. and Mexico fans who are, who are forced to watch BN for their nation's away matches in World Cup qualifying.
1: Well, well, not quite. First of all, I believe this is a continuation of the same contract from the 2014 rights cycle on the English side. I don't traffic. it's traffic It's the same deal, even though traffic doesn't exist anymore. I don't know what the deal will be for 2022. I have no idea. Um, it is worth remembering that on the Spanish language side, uh, Telemundo has the rights to every... I believe that in Spanish on Telemundo and in English on In, they have the rights to every World Cup qualifier game played in every country except Mexico, the U.S., and Canada. Um, Had Canada made the hex or drawn the U.S. in the first stage, I don't know. I mean, Univision had a Spanish-language deal for Canada's home games because they wanted the rights to Canada, Mexico, and Vancouver, and that's how they got them. Uh, I don't know what an English language deal for a U.S. Canada game would have looked like. I'm sure. Now, look, maybe the CSA would have been petty and said "screw you" and gone to deal on a deal with B, but I sort of doubt it. Um, but it's being in English, NBC networks in Spanish, and and Telemundo has for many years had all of Mexico's road games in Spanish. The English rights eventually came available. B and took them. I am with you 100%. Cardic that uh, at some, this has to be an important order of business on Victor Montagliani's plate as the president of T- CONCACAF to convince all of the small nations that it is in their financial interest to unify the rights. The burden then comes along on ESPN, Fox, Univision, Telemundo, and maybe Bell in Canada or Sportsnet if you want to throw them in, to put the money on the table that makes it worth their while. And from the conversations that I have had over the years, Especially the US networks are ready to do that. Uh, and I know that Victor Matagliani has other things on his plate right now, like rigging the game for 2026 bidding so that Canada can get there without having to qualify for it. Uh, excuse me, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I do think this is something that, that needs to get done for the 2022 rights cycle and that it is in Concacaf, CONCACAF's interest. I think all three of us probably agree on that.
2: Yeah, from the official. U.S. soccer perspective, perspective. I mean, from the, the U.S. soccer website. So right now, it says "be in sports" for that game, uh, for the Panama game. Uh, it hasn't. It doesn't list the Spanish language uh, broadcaster, but but hopefully, it's you mean know, NBC Universo or, or, or Telemundo um,
1: for that. I one. think firm that it will be. Okay. Um, but look, U.S. soccer, as they've said many times over the years, because they don't. They and uh, what is it? IMG, what it used to be, Soccer United Marketing. After a while they don 't buy those rights anymore they 're out of that game, mm-hmm. so they are, they are when they say we can 't do anything about it they 're right
2: right I, th- I think the other thing that uh, Carter, going back to the point that you had was um, i think that's i mean everyone complains I think when games are on being sports um, I mean they 're in twenty four million homes these days out of all of the soccer networks or sports networks out there they probably have the best distribution in terms of at least online streaming legal ways i mean uh, practically i think almost every single streaming solution uh, service ha- has them as an option and, and there's plenty of free trials to go around you kind know, of you know from uh sling or to uh fubo to uh, uh and and to, uh, other broadcasters too um so so I, I, there are ways to watch these games definitely so at, I mean, so we'll, and I'm sure willsoccertalk.com will kind of have the TV listings and and the actual streaming listings uh to help make sure but but at the end of the day I mean the game on the Friday March 24th is USA against Honduras uh that's on FS1 and Univision and then the Tuesday game then on uh, March 28th is on beIN Sports and, and more likely probably um NBC Universo uh and or uh, Telemundo so there's, there's ways of watching it definitely but uh still interesting news to share indeed and um, in terms of some other news that's out there too uh, direct now is going to be adding the nbc sports app to subscribers uh, beginning today which is uh, thursday uh, direct tv now subscribers will be able to authenticate via the nbc sports app uh, to watch all of the programming including premier league matches so for um so people that have Directv now that that's that, in terms of streaming that that's definitely big news there too
1: uh, Is it still required that you have to have a DirecTV subscription to get DirecTV Now? Because it used to be.
2: Uh, not anymore. So it's completely separate. So even though it's still owned by AT, uh, AT&T, um, so you can be, yeah, so it's completely separate. So if you want to just have DirecTV Now uh, as a separate streaming solution uh, service, uh, you don't have to have uh, DirecTV, the actual satellite service. So completely separate uh, separate product and um, you can have both if you want to, <laughs> but but no, you, you can you can have it separate and, and nothing tied to to satellite. So so that's uh, something to check out. And then Jonathan, um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to look. I'm sure you have, knowing you. But have you had a chance to, to dive into um, Yes's um, big news in terms of the NYCFC, uh, the TV deal that they announced uh, recently in terms of the the coverage that they'll be providing to New York City FC fans?
1: Well, the interesting bit to me is that they. It- picked up a couple of preseason games for the year, which is nice. They're also tape delaying a few, uh, as they do every year. Uh, I wish they wouldn't. I know their fan base wishes they wouldn't. Obviously, they are Yankees first, you know, now forever, as I understand that. But I just just keep wondering, you know, they put 20 or 30 or whatever it is, Yankees games on WPIX or on some, you know, over-the-air affiliate in New York every year. I just wonder whether they might try to do that once or twice with an NYCFC game one of these days. Just to see, just to see what happens. Um, you know, enough people have access to Fox Sports Go. Although I should say that cable vision, being what it is in New York, I shouldn't go speaking for everybody. Um, you know, tape delaying—I never like it. I always think MLS should be past it. Uh, You're—I ne- don't think you're ever going to see MSG Network or Sportsnet New York. You know, have. NYCFC right, certainly for as long as the Yankees have an equity stake in the team. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I just I just wish they'd work with, you know, an over-the-air broadcast partner for one or two games a year just to see how it does. You know, the, the Philadelphia Union do that with the ABC affiliate Philly. DC United does it with with WJLA, uh, the ABC affiliate down there. Who knows? If nobody watches it, OK, fine. Nobody watches it. You don't have to do it again. But give it a shot. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think I think, um, again, these are smaller markets, but I think Salt Lake, for example, it was a huge uh, deal in Salt Lake's evolution to becoming really a mainstream sporting property in Utah uh, to get on an over the air affiliate. And uh, I've seen, seen that play out on a couple of smaller MLS markets. I'd love to see it happen in New York, and especially with the footprint NYCFC has, has, has put already, even if it's uh, just one or two games a year, just having something over the air uh, on uh, network television in New York City.
1: Well, and, and the, other, the other reason why this comes into play is that, um, yes, network doesn't have a secondary channel the way that, you know, the Comcast... MSG does, yeah, you're right. You're right. So that's, that's you know... Uh, maybe that's... That enough. was
0: always the thing with Red Bull. When Red Bull would get bumped to MSG2, it would be, oh gosh, you're being bumped to MSG2, but at least the game was on still, and with YES, you don't have that. Right. So that, that is a massive disadvantage.
2: So speaking of of YES, or YES um, that's one of the channels that's on Fubo Premiere, which is the brand new product mm. from Fubo TV. So... so I, I've gone ahead and put together a video, kind of a first impressions video, as well as a comparison guide, as well as kind of some detailed uh, articles that go into exactly everything that they offer. But essentially, it, there's two different packages: Fubo Premier, uh, which is thirty-four ninety-nine a month, and there's also Fubo Latino. Uh, Latino, uh, Latino, pardon me. That's uh, fourteen ninety-nine a month. Um, each of the packages has different options. Uh, the Fubo Premier one has FS One, FS Two, Fox Soccer Plus. Uh, the Fox Sports Regionals, uh, Comcast Sports Network, which is a big one in terms of so, uh, some of the markets in the U.S. As well including, as,
1: go ahead, including mine because for, Comcast has refused for years to to do a deal with Dish Network and Direct TV, but now they're letting their uh, they're letting their their Philly regional network, which has almost forever been only on Comcast and maybe one or two other small outlets, when they put it on Fubo, was a huge deal up here because now people can watch. Uh, the local games up here without a cable subscription
2: yeah, yeah yeah definitely and that's the great thing about fubo you don't need uh, a cable or satellite subscription uh you also get uh, nbcsn uh, cnbc usa and then in select cities uh, so in those cities where fox owns the local affiliate, uh, you'll get the local fox channel and in those cities where nbc owns the local affiliate. Um, you, you'll get those channels too. So what you do is enter your new zip code, and then it'll look and see where you are. So if you're in Philadelphia, uh, you would get the, the CSN as well as any of the local channels in that area in addition to everything else. So um, one other piece of news to, to share is that uh, Fubo has changed the, the, the free trial. So it used to be 24 hours, and as of last night, they changed it uh, to seven days. So you get a chance to kind of basically dive right in and watch seven days of free soccer, as well as you know, news, entertainment, movie channels, et cetera, and uh, to see if that's a package uh, that you might be interested in. Kartik, uh over to you and uh, some news from Manchester.
0: Yeah, so Manchester United TV, we, we love these club channels, don't we? Um, uh, Manchester United TV has, of course, um, their app. Uh, and on their app, you can get full access now to... Uh, Match day Live uh, reserve and academy fixtures which which uh, big uh, big club fans do geek out on and uh, uh, Jose Mourinho's press conferences uh, the exclusive interviews, some documentaries about the club uh, and more it's a full 24 7 stream uh, it's available for one a one month free trial on iOS and Android um, I like um, I, I like some of the features that club channels are putting out documentaries behind the scenes I watch of Borussia Dortmund television a lot on uh, on Fubo, actually. And uh, since we were just uh, speaking of Fubo, I-, I like the sorts of features they put out and, and same thing with Man City TV, et cetera. Um, the question is, will um, people, will there be enough subscribers to this? Because you can get so much uh, Manchester United content for free. But will fans be uh, interested in the academy fixtures and the live reserve team fixtures? I think that's probably what would drive uh, the interest. Uh, Manchester United doesn't have a, a, a high-level women's team like Manchester City, Chelsea and Arsenal do uh, and Liverpool do to drive interest uh, on that end. And we're going to get more into, into that a little later in the show, the whole uh, uh, advent of, of big women's clubs in England.
2: Yeah, I think it's a big deal for Man United supporters. I mean, it's been a long time where um, we haven't been able to get MUTV in the US. I think many, many years ago, I think we used to have it. I don't know if it was on Fox Sports or it, it was, yes, wasn't it? it, it, might, it actually, it wasn't. Yes, yes, yeah, right, that's right. When they did the deal, that's right. It, yeah. that's right.
1: When the devil, when the the, the two devils on the two sides of the Atlantic got together. Yeah, right,
2: right, right. <laughs> How times have changed. But yeah, that's right. They did have that. So, but, but for MUTV, in terms of club, club channels, um, I haven't watched a lot of it, but I know Steve Bauer does a lot of work for them. Um, but they Paddy Current and, and, and others have done a lot of work for MUTV. So as, as far as club TV channels go, that's kind of, kind of at the higher end of kind of the better ones that they do. So for fans globally having uh, to be able to access that through an app, uh, I think that's good. That's, that's good news. Um, And then the last piece of news for this week, and this might be a a, a non-story or it might be a story, but basically what's happened this past week is that Liverpool Football Club has banned uh, the Sun newspaper from Anfield, not just from Anfield, but also from Melwood, the training ground, as well as uh, preventing access for any of the Sun reporters, preventing them accessing uh, for interviews, etc., the managers or players, now, why is this big news for, uh, or maybe not so much big news for, for, from the TV perspective? Well, that's because Neil Ashton, who's the, uh, the re- reporter for NBCSN, does a lot of kind of um, in the papers and kind of uh, news from the grounds in England. Uh, Neil Ashton is the chief football reporter for The Sun. And I noticed on Twitter, I think last week, uh, somebody asked him for a comment in regards to this news. And he said, pretty much, I want to keep my, my opinions to myself. Now, how does this impact his work for NBCSN? Uh, I put a request in for a comment from NBC Sports regarding his role and whether his position at the Sun is going to limit his access for NBCSN um, at all or, or not at all. Um, I would imagine it, it wouldn't, but but you never know. So I put the, the message in, and uh, NBC, uh, NBC Sports said they'll get back to me in terms of uh, getting clarification if this does impact his role. If he is at Anfield and he wants to be able to... Uh, report for NBCSN. Um, hopefully, hopefully it won't impact it, but still interesting enough. Okay, so m- let's move on to TV ratings, and, and we're going to fly through this one. Um, so basically, uh, there's some of the big numbers from the weekends. There was 1.37 million people who watched uh, Liga MX on Saturday uh, on Univision, and that game was between Club America and Puebla. Um, again, big numbers from Liga MX. Uh, Liverpool against Spurs uh, had 951,000 viewers on NBC for that Saturday midday broadcast. Uh, We've been looking at the Bundesliga the last few weeks in terms of how it's doing against the championship on Friday evenings. Uh, 24,000 for the Bundesliga game on Friday on FS2 between Mainz and Augsburg. And um, the championship so far is averaging about 16,000 viewers on BN Sports um, on Sar- Saturday, the uh, Ingolstadt against Bayern game got uh, 50,000 viewers on FS1, while uh, Bayer Leverkusen got 13,000 viewers on FS2. Uh, for, the, for those, actually, I don't have the, um, the Fox Deportes numbers. I'm sure those are much higher. Um, for Hull against Arsenal, maybe people, maybe Arsenal fans are kind of thinking that, I uh, mean, it's over for uh, Wenger or Arsenal's chances of the title. Um, reason being is that uh, only 279,000 people... Uh, watched Hull against Arsenal on Saturday morning on NBCSN, which by Arsenal standards is definitely lower than usual. Um, so, so, but
1: uh, I, I can know. jump in on that one. Sure, yeah. As somebody who, as folks know, watches a lot of Arsenal games, to put it one way, uh, I've slept through the last two because the 7.30 in the morning game is just not worth waking up for, especially when they're playing. When, I, I have not watched an Arsenal-Chelsea game now for a couple of years. In part because they're at 7:30 in the morning, and in part because I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and in, in, in that whole game,
2: I mean, Hull City, Hull, City, Hull City deserved a point in that game. I mean, Arsenal were extremely lucky. Yeah, Hull City played very well. Yeah, and Hull is, yeah, yeah. So it just, just goes to show. So,
1: here's 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 my thing about this, and and Chris, you might find this interesting. There've been a lot of really good games at 7:30 in the morning on Saturday which is the worst possible time. And I don't just mean, you know, good games, but the big teams, you know? Mm-hmm. That 7.30 in the morning Eastern time kickoff. Now, obviously, it's the, the domestic benefit, security-wise and traveling fans-wise and all that, for it to be a 12.30 British time kickoff. Mm-hmm. But it's also, also I've noticed, there haven't been a lot of really great games in that 12.30 Eastern slot. Right, And I wonder if that is a sign, since that is nominally NBC's marquee time slot, you know, when they put the games on their broadcast network and stuff, I wonder if that hints that the Asian broadcasters still have a little more clout here because 7.30 a.m. Eastern is prime time over in Asia.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I, I know that uh, La Liga especially um, and the Bundesliga have been making a big push into Asia uh, and, and La Liga's, uh, even, even with the uh, El Clasico changing the time of the kickoff uh, to be right, what was it? Ten fifteen in the morning. So, so that was done exclusively, really, really for for the Asia market. Same thing for the Premier League too. I mean, they're looking at that seven thirty broadcast on Eastern time in the U.S. Um, they're not caring as much about that, but it is then prime time in, in China and in Asia. So, um, absolutely, one hundred percent of the way, they're definitely doing it from a TV perspective for Asia, trying to figure out okay, what's, what what games can we put in those time slots that are going to be kind of of interest to to that uh, to that continent, um, yeah, yeah. And for us on the east coast, for us on on the Pacific coast, that makes it even tougher. Um, but yeah, and then twelve thirty games. Uh, we've we've had some pretty big ones, but but not as big as as kind of the uh, the eleven o'clock on on a Sunday Eastern time, or um, oftentimes kind of on that seven thirty uh, Eastern time on a Saturday morning. So it makes, it, makes it tough viewers-
1: for us. The viewership record is still what three years old now.
2: Yeah, well there was one that's um so the game that was which, which one was it? The Manchester Uniteds where they did the um was it Manchester United against Liverpool where they had the second half on NBC Yeah, NBC. Yeah, NBC. So that one in isolation if you take that just the second half of that game, that was that was bigger than the one from 3 years ago which was the Liverpool against Chelsea game. But I guess once they averaged the numbers together with with the NBCSN one which was the full 120, well, 90 minutes versus the 45 minutes, it dropped it down to I think 1.1 million or something like that. So, so technically, officially, it, it is the one from the Chelsea Liverpool uh, from three years ago, I think it is. Uh, unof- and unof-
1: officially, just United.
2: I don't. Th- well, it depends. It depends. If you look at the one, so the Chelsea against Liverpool was on tape delay, which was on Fox. Uh, actually, that might be five years ago now. But um, the Man United one from three years ago was live. So that that one would have been the, the biggest live number, which is always the number that NBC always pushes out there. Um, and then I, I sometimes remind people the Fox number that was on tape delay from five or six years ago. That was, uh, I think, 1.4 million, I think it was, uh, at the time. But,
1: um, yeah. yeah I've I'm, just it, found, it, I've, I found the numbers. in In theory, at least... The record. The record is November twenty second, twenty fourteen. Man United Arsenal on NBC, one point four one million. That Chelsea Man United game, according to NBC's numbers, was one point three eight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not a big difference, obviously. Right. I just find it interesting that it's now been, you know, two and a half years or whatever it is, and they haven't broken their own record yet.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it is in terms of that, like you talked about before, about in terms of scheduling, where there's been opportunities where they could have kind of even put that one some of those games on that twelve say a Liverpool against Man United, put that on a Saturday at twelve thirty, NBC broadcast, you know, kind of uh, or, or whichever game it would be, but oftentimes those games have been kind of that eleven o'clock uh on a Sunday, which means it's NBC SN, or it's been the 730 game, uh, or the Monday game. It's been a lot of Monday games actually, some of the bigger games. Um we've had like what nil-nil ties between Liverpool and Man United and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think part of it is the scheduling point of view in terms of, you um, I mean not playing favorably to the U.S. market in terms of trying to get the best number. But it, it has been a while. It has been a while, that's for sure. So moving on to our next segment, and that's listen the mailbag. Um, we've got uh, one question from one of our listeners. This one, Jonathan, is probably a good one for you. Uh, it's from Jillian Avalon, and she sent this in through uh, email. She says, "Here's my problem with Fox Sports. I live in a cable region where FS2 is not offered." It's not a question of buying a bigger package. I looked into that extensively. It's just not available in my region or television market. So when I look at what's offered on their app, and it teases me by showing things I want, I'll check the channel, and it'll say FS2, which I have no view, no, no way of viewing, short of perhaps paying for some extra Fox streaming package, perhaps, which I'm not prepared to do at this point. They were often losing me to NBC for Premier League coverage anyway, but on the few occasions I try to watch German football, the one I really want to watch is on a station I can't access. Why does cable and Fox do this to me? What's the purpose of having a whole station not available in an area, even if people are willing to pay for it on cable plans? Do we know what markets this actually uh, is available on? This may sound strange, but as I'm planning to look for a new job um, in a new town in the next couple of years, I sort of want to move to a market where I can, I can make the most of my options if it's uh, otherwise practical. I'm under the impression that I could get it in Virginia. So, Jonathan, what's your thoughts on this one?
1: I got a lot of them. Uh, I'm going to guess. I don't know. if, if, Jillian, if you're out there and you're on Twitter, you can contact me on on Twitter, at The Goalkeeper, and uh, we'll talk there. Uh, Fox Sports 2, as of November of last year, I haven't seen new ones since then, but maybe there have been, and I'm just missing them. Fox Sports 2, as of November of last year, was in 50.8 million homes. That is more homes than Univision Deportes, and almost as many homes as NBA TV. Uh, So, look, the biggest culprit here, by some distance, is Comcast. They're the only major cable provider in the country, or satellite provider in the country at this point, that does not widely distribute Fox Sports 2. And I have asked them and Fox many times, would you do a, you know, sort of a mid contract deal to fix that? And they've always told me, no, the way this thing works is we're going to do it when the cable carriage deal comes up, which I believe, as I said earlier, is sometime within the next 12 months or so, maybe 18 months. Uh, it's been a while since I last heard. So my math might not be entirely right, but that's when they're going to do it. And hopefully at that point, that is when they will do it. Um, Comcast is not going to budge unless they are convinced that there is a lot of before then, unless they are convinced that there is a lot of demand out there. Well, how do you convince them that there is a lot of demand tweeting at the three of us is not going to solve the problem. Is it? Uh, and, and especially you and me and Chris too, they've done that plenty, but we aren't, we don't work for Comcast and we don't work for Fox. So we can't fix the problem. Um, it, the, why does Fox do this to me question goes back to the fact that originally Fox sports two was a channel called fuel TV and Fox sports one was a channel called the speed network. And when they flipped them over to what they are now, instead of starting them from scratch, they used their existing channels, right. which was the worst idea. Some providers then picked up Fox sports two. Comcast said, we are not going to add any more homes of Fox sports two out of the gate. And I, th- I complained about that rather loudly at the time and they insisted and, they being Comcast had the upper hand, and so that's what they did. Uh, I Look, as I said, hopefully during the next negotiation that will fix it, what I would say is if you get to a place where you can get DirecTV or Dish Network, I would do that. That would solve your problem. It would also get you to be in sports in high definition, which Comcast does not currently offer. Uh, beyond that, this is something that um, when, I, when you first sent me this, Chris, the very first thing I thought of was the following – this is a conversation that you and I have had many times. Yes, you can pay extra for some Fox streaming package. I'm one of the people who does. I think a fair few folks out there quite like Fox Soccer to go because you get every Champions League, Bundesliga, and a bunch of other games too. Mm-hmm. But when the people say to you and me, well, I get all the Premier League games through NBC free of charge. No, you don't. You're still paying your cable or settle. You, you, you don't have to pay any extra for them. Mm-hmm. But if you're... And if you're a cord cutter, you can get all the Fox Soccer to Go stuff without having to add cable subscription. And you can now with the Premier League stuff, although you couldn't for a, a good while. Mm-hmm. But it, it it is another opportunity for us to remind folks... You know, I'm not going to tell people how to spend their money. I happen to like Fox Soccer to Go. Doesn't mean anybody else has to go to the trouble of paying for it if they don't want to. But... Anybody who says to me I get all the Premier League games free of charge, I remind them, no, you don't.
2: Right. Yeah. the The challenging thing with this one too is is it's regional Comcast. So, so for example, my Comcast here locally, I I get FS2, and I get BN Sports, and I get BN Sports in HD. But that's my South Florida regional Comcast, uh, basically branch. Well, sort. that well, that's
0: random because there are people who have Xfinity. Who uh, are close by to you, Chris? Who don't get V e in sports and HD and get it just in standard definition, and don't get FS 2 So, mm-hmm. and I get this question as Jonathan references maybe once a week. I mean, yeah. it, it's <laughs> frequent. Oh yeah, it, it's, so it's very random with with uh, is, even within the Comcast family.
2: Yeah, and it's on a regional basis. It's kind of which which makes it even more complicated in, in terms of uh, instead of a nationwide rollout, it's it's a kind of a regional contracts so or agreements. Um, i mean the other thing too that uh, i don't think we've mentioned yet is that um is comcast is owned by NBC universal
1: uh,
2: so so mbc's in in you know, in competition with fox sports and uh you mean in terms of leverage or just just in, in the back of their mind i'm sure that's something that comes up in terms of okay well if we do roll out uh, fs2 nationwide to comcast how is that going to impact our our tv viewer numbers or
1: advertising dollars at the end of the day I, I don't think it will, and I think they know that ultimately, because the, when, when the Comcast-NBC universal merger happened, the FCC barred Comcast from treating NBC channels with special preference mm-hmm. and barred the NBC side of things from treating Comcast with any special preference as a cable provider. Right. You would think, and I've said this with the Olympics— when Comcast didn't carry some of the NBC linear Olympics channels, but put them all on the X one streaming instead, I said, you would think that Comcast would want to be the poster child in the classroom. They have decided to not be, but the, the the funny thing is from what I've heard, the bigger fight is not between Comcast and Fox because Fox is too big Mm -hmm. for Comcast to want to cross from what I have heard. And I know some people in the industry who've told me this over the years. Where Comcast really sort of, sort of furtively throws its weight around and tries to get away with it, is carriage of Univision channels, because they're trying to protect Telemundo, and other Spanish language channels uh, that maybe don't have Univision's clout. Mm-hmm. But with Fox, you know, I think Comcast and Fox look at each other and say, "Okay, we're both big enough that." you know, we're going to settle this through a, through a new carriage deal at some point, and, and they can't, you know, they can't throw, throw stones or, or have a food fight or whatever. Yeah,
2: the, 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 the other thing that's interesting, too, and Jonathan, you, you bring this up, too, is in terms of, okay, so I'm a local Comcast subscriber here, uh, and I know that NBC Sports has been kind of uh, frustrated by the lack of rollout of Premier League extra time on Comcast regional so, so I can't get Premier League extra time, even though I got Comcast, and Comcast is owned by the parent company NBC Universal. So that, that does go back to, in terms of, uh, you mean, NBC? Well, Comcast is not getting any favorable treatment uh, from NBC, and um, so, so yeah, that's a good point in terms of you know the and that was, Fox.
1: merger imposed by the Federal Communications Commission. Mm-hmm. It's not permanent. It's going to expire at some point. I don't know when, but that's, I mean. You and I, I think, we were both in Stamford, right? The first day NBC did Premier League coverage? Uh,
2: We were there, actually, I think uh, a couple weeks later. We were there two weeks later. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I was there the very first day. And I was sitting next to John Miller, who's the president of the NBC Sports Group, was in charge of the whole soccer thing and getting that deal done and making sure it was rolling out properly. I'm sitting there, uh, you know, in one of the, the green rooms or whatever, watching all the monitors... Watching on Twitter to see what, how fans were reacting mm-hmm. and someone saying, I can't get the, uh, whatever the feeds were back at the time, the, through the, the box, you know, the ex the extra time ones, the way the Comcast right. did it very weirdly where you had to dig through your cable box and, and they weren't really TV channels. They were some oddly shaped thing that was through the internet jack or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but you couldn't watch them as TV channels. You couldn't join it live. It was like watching a, an on and movie or whatever it was. You had to join it from the start. Yep. And John Miller walks over to me and says, what are your readers saying? Because he was genuinely interested, which I appreciated. And I said, Here was, here's what they're complaining about. They can't watch the extra time games you know, through the directions that they've been given. He walks out in the hall. I think I can tell this story, by the way. I'm not sure I have before, but the statute of limitations has probably expired on it, so I'm going to tell it. He walks out into the hallway, gets somebody up on his phone, and starts complaining to them. I later found out that that person was Mark Lazarus, who was on the Comcast side of things, and, he told, and Miller had told him to fix it. Right. Well, they haven't fixed it yet. Now, with the X1 box, it's a little easier because everything is sort of blended together, and they can, they can get you from with like two clicks from the linear television channel to the online stream. right? That's the ideal. That's fine. But for a while, it wasn't perfect. And neither of those two sides could force each other to fix it.
2: And, and that's the thing, going back to Jillian's question, too, in terms of what should she do. I mean, from my perspective, I think the, the best opportunity we have is, is kind of the, whether it's the DirecTV Nows or the PlayStation Views or the, you know, basically the Fubos of the world or Sling TVs of the world. Because it C- cuts out a lot of that crap. So basically, uh, other than local TV um, stations, which you can still get on your I- indoor antenna uh, for free, uh, you can access pretty much everything in terms of um, Fox Soccer To Go also, as well as you mean FS1, FS2. I mean, you go down the list. It's al- almost every single thing. Each package or each service is a little bit different, so you kind of have to look at each one and cherry-pick the one that's the best fit for you based on what you want to watch. Um, but does cut up the crap in terms of having to deal with all the kind of basically political, well, not only political, but uh, business negotiations uh, outside that you have no control over, kind of the, you mean the FS2 availability as, as one question, or, or Fox socket to go, wanting to have everything. Um, there are op- options out there. You just kind of have to take a look and see which one's the best fit for you. Um, it is complicated, I mean, and that's the thing. I and mean, that's, that's, that's why we have this podcast, too, is to answer a lot of the questions and discuss it, Um, and again, I think it comes down to what do you like to watch and then trying to find what's the best either cable, satellite, or or streaming package. But the good thing is is there's more choices available, and I think as each month goes by, um, the amount of features and technology, it's getting better and better. So I think we're we're getting there, and we're not quite there yet in terms of kind of one solution that's going to give us everything, but we're pretty close. Now, so, so for, for listeners who do have any questions or feedback or comments about anything we've said on the show, uh, or if you have questions about your local uh, cable company, <laughs> you want to know, what, how, how can why can't I watch XYZ channel? You can email us at web at worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at w talk, or uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. In the last segment, the feature topic of the week, and Karthik and Jonathan, I'm probably going to hand this over one, over to you guys since you're the experts on this one but there's been some big recent signings um they're making the, the football association women's soccer league and the UEFA women's champions league uh, on tv uh, on, uh, more of an interesting property perhaps for television or streaming in the US with uh Alex Morgan, Carly Lloyd, um and others a lot of kind of US uh, stars moving uh, overseas to play in some of these leagues and, and competitions what does that mean for television or streaming? What do you guys think in terms of uh, opportunities to perhaps to watch some of those games for us in the U.S. to want to watch uh, these competitions? And you mean, Do you think it's going to happen anytime soon?
1: Well, I've started making some calls on that uh, to people who I know at Fox, at, uh, at NBC, and, and so on. As I understand it, the UEFA Women's Champions League is not part of Fox's current rights deal. I believe the women's final has been on Goal TV the last couple of years, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know how it got there. Uh, I get the sense that Fox might be interested in doing something. I don't know what it would take for them to get a deal done. I would imagine it wouldn't take very much money. Uh, But even if they just put the games on Fox Soccer to go or Fox Sports go and said, here they are, the core audience that wants to watch them can go watch them that way, uh, I think that would probably be enough. As for... Because the, sorry, my mic cut out there for a second. Um, I'm looking up the FA Women's Super League schedule real quick. The thing about the Champions League is you've got Carly Lloyd at Man City, Alex Morgan at Leon. Mm -hmm. People are probably only really going to be interested in those, in in the Leon and Man City games on a wide scale. I mean, some of us would watch more of them. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's going to be three or four or five games or whatever it is over time. A really interesting question becomes uh, the FA Women's Super League and what happens when, for example, right out of the gate on April 23rd, Man City plays Chelsea. And I think it would be safe to assume, not that we know, obviously, but you'd, you'd think that Carly Lloyd will be playing for Man City and Crystal Dunn will be playing for Chelsea. Uh, and you'd think that somebody in the UK would do a television production of that game in some form which uh, might then, and, you know, NBC, through its relations with the Premier League, might be able to pick up again, even if it's only a digital offering, I think it would get a bit of an audience. Uh, but, I, you know, my friends who, who work over there and who cover the FA Women's League have said, now you have this increased exposure, now is the time to deliver broadcast coverage of more of the games, not just, you know, one or whatever it is a week. And I am reminded, and and you two know this better than almost anybody else, we still can't watch every FA Cup game, Mm -hmm. which in this day and age is absurd. And so I I shot back to one of my colleagues across the pond, Kieran Thievam of Equalizer Soccer. Well, you know, they still haven't gotten all the FA Cup games. Once they do that, hopefully the Women's League won't be too far behind.
2: Right. Yeah, and that's the thing too with the FA Cup is that uh, I think there's a new TV rights deal coming up soon in terms of, I think from IMG, they bought the the global rights and and then they're reselling that um, in each different kind of region and and probably to Fox sports in in the U S or at least the the, the the favorite. But, 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 but that is the thing though too. I I think one of the big questions for me too is in terms of um, the women's super league in the UK is I don't think there's a TV rights holder in the UK. I I know some of the the games have been on, I think BBC radio five live. They've had some radio broadcasts of those games um, Karthik, have you seen anything in terms of Man City, uh, whether it's a, um, through the YouTube channel, uh, MCFC, TV, in terms of any, anything?
0: They there? they clip highlights pretty quickly, and I, I, I have been able to keep up with Man City's women's team pretty, pretty aggressively and pretty frequently uh, via that. But I have not seen a live game yet. Uh, the highlights come out quickly. They're clipped through MCFC TV, and and, uh, it's a particular interest to England national team fans because Izzy Christensen, Jill Scott, Steph Houghton, Karen Bardsley, they all play for Manchester City. and Obviously now for U.S. fans with Carly Lloyd uh, going over, it's going to be a channel that I think a lot of people subscribe to, but I have not seen a live game yet, including uh, on the final match day well, actually, each of the last two seasons, Manchester City wins the title. This past year, on the final match day, the previous year, it was it was contingent on if Chelsea had had uh, lost, which they didn't, and Chelsea um, uh, won the title. But uh, it would have been nice to have some sort of live, um, legal way to watch those.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, one thing that, that it reminds me of too is I think with NBC, I think there was a, a couple of Mondays where the last season where they had the uh, the Premier League was it the U- U23 or U21 uh, games? And they had, I think, Tottenham Hotspur on, on a Monday. They showed against, I might have been against Chelsea. But I'm wondering whether or not there'll be kind of maybe, so for these, some of these games like Man City against Chelsea um, or some of these uh, uh, Champions League games, maybe mean Lyon as, as one example, whether there'll be kind of sporadic availability um, and whether the, the clubs themselves can actually help push this through and, and uh, make an agreement with the FA or, or UEFA to be able to broadcast these, uh, from a, from a club
1: Chan- perspective. I, I think the women's champions league games are produced for broadcast. Okay. Okay. So it's just a matter of Fox or somebody taking them. Uh, the F and super league is the big question. And for, for the reference uh, of you guys and the, for all the listeners out there, uh, the first big one, April 23rd is the opening day. In fact, of the, no, it's the opening weekend of the, uh, of the, uh, of the FA women's super league season, April 23rd, 11 a.m. Eastern time, Man City, Chelsea, that's Carly Lloyd and Crystal Dunn. And then Chelsea play Arsenal, uh, on May 17th. That's Crystal Dunn and Heather O'Reilly. And it's a, it's a, it's an, and then here it is Man City, Arsenal, which is, uh, Carly Lloyd and Heather O'Reilly is May 28th. They're playing a, a short season this time around because they're flipping to a, uh, you know, a fall to spring schedule the way the men play, so they're playing this sort of sort of shortened three month campaign, which was part of the attraction for Carly Lloyd to go and sign over there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think this is one to watch, keep an eye out for too, because I think um, a lot of us hardcore soccer fans or uh, fans of, of women's soccer um, definitely do want to watch these games and see see these players in action, and um, it's it's uh, it's new ground. I mean, hopefully Fox or or go TV or uh, be in sports so I mean, the, the long
0: list, hopefully one of these broadcasters can, can step up. It's also, it's also a lot of fans of, men's, of the men's clubs, of Chelsea fans, Man City fans, and Arsenal fans, those three in particular, and it's ironic, those are the three clubs that have signed uh, U.S. national team players, or in Heather O'Reilly's case, a former national team player, but still a very popular, very accomplished player, uh, world champion, and a, uh, a multi-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, that... Um, that's a driver—the the, the men's, uh, the fans of the men's clubs following the women's clubs. I, I cannot tell you how many of the Man City fans I know in Europe, uh, whether they be in England uh, itself or in Scandinavia, uh, that watch the, the, the women's team, they keep track of the women's team, and had really no interest in women's football before Manchester City uh, started this women's club. So. I think that that's, uh, that's a driver, and we're finding that uh, stateside too. I mean, I think Portland is an exceptional case, right? But uh, I've, I've noticed in, in Houston and in Orlando, and I think it's gonna happen now in North Carolina, uh, when LAFC launches their uh, NWSL club, uh, when Real Salt Lake potentially launches their uh, NWSL club and others, uh, that that's a driver of interest. So I think it's almost, it's, it's almost a fait accompli. These games somehow become accessible on television. Otherwise, people will find ways to illegally stream them, as uh, we saw with the men's game for so long.
1: Right. And they have, their, you know, they have their big new deal now, the NWSL does, with, right. with A&E Networks and Lifetime, where they're going to take over all the live streaming. The word is it's still going to be free of charge and globally accessible. We'll see if they live up to it. Now, Cardick, here's one for you. I wonder... If Carly Lloyd's foray to Manchester is successful, given that City Football Group already has uh, a foot on the ground over here in the form of New York City FC, whether they start talking to the NWSL about running a women's team in the New York area.
0: Absolutely. I think they will, because I, as I said uh, just a moment ago, and, you know, Jonathan, you, you're well aware of this also, Rail Salt Lake and, and LAFC, those two groups in particular, those two ownership groups in particular are already talking. And Vancouver. Plush, and Vancouver, right. And Jeff Mallon in Vancouver, uh, who had an, an interest in WPS, remember, uh, helped fund the start of WPS, the, the previous uh, Women's Professional League here in the United States. Um, those three uh, MLS teams are, are talking to Jeff Plush, they're talking to Amanda Duffy and NWSL about uh, setting up shop. I think NYCFC would be next. Uh, and Ma- Manchester City has put a lot of resources and a lot of effort into promoting their women's, uh, their women's team. So I think it's just, uh, it- it's happening inevitably. And, and there was a lot of resistance, Jonathan, you know this, in the women's game here in the United States for years to hitching uh, the professional teams to uh, the men's professional teams, to MLS clubs. There was, a, it, 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 was almost, uh, uh, it was almost a passe subject when you would bring it up. Well, why not uh, elevate the Seattle Sounders women or D.C. United women to WPS back in, at, at when WPS was around. Uh, now um, I think there's a realization based on what's happened in Europe that that's uh, the way forward for the women's game. And uh, as, as time goes on, and this is a whole other uh, subject for another time, but NWSL has two very clear camps of teams aligned with men's teams and teams that are not, that are kind of WPS holdover slash NWSL 1.0 teams that might eventually be relocated as Western New York was to North Carolina to attach it to an NASL team or just kind of fade away and replaced by uh, stronger clubs in those markets. Sky blue is, is one of those that comes to mind and I can see all the CFC doing it.
1: And of all the team names on this earth, that could be bought by Manchester City. It's, right, right, that's a great point. Uh,
0: the,
1: the heat's going to be on them. Look, if, if there's even a hint of Manchester City being interested in potentially doing this at some point, and I wouldn't say that I'm putting a hint out there, but I don't think it's going to be long before somebody does. Uh, it's going to put the heat on Sky Blue in a big way. And I think it might also, by the way, help give City Football Group a little bit more political capital in trying to get a stadium built somewhere. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's, adds, adds a whole uh, extra dimension to it in terms of uh, making that happen. I, I mean, I, I think that's one, one thing, I mean, just to close this segment on is that um, I think there's a, a close connection or closer connection between the, the soccer fan and his or her club. So no matter what club it is, say Man City is one example. And I think a lot of it is in terms of social media and the web um, as well as, well as uh, video in terms of all the, the, the amount of information you get on a club uh, social media channel, whether it's, say, say, Twitter, and all the different things that are happening. It makes you feel connected closer to the U23 team, uh, to the women's team, to the youth team. I think each club individually has done a really good job at uh, making that connection and saying, OK, if you're a fan of Manchester City, there's no reason why you shouldn't be supporting the Manchester City U23 team, the youth team, the women's team, et cetera. Um, and I think that goes along the way for not not just Manchester City but other clubs too so from the club angle that 's a strong pull to kind of get people into watching these games and um, cheering off the team no matter w- which team it is if it, when men 's women 's youth et cetera um, so i think it 's it 's a positive thing and I think it 's just it's, again it 's like with anything with soccer, especially uh, in terms of coverage it's it 's going to take time it 's going to take time to kind of build up this audience but um I think if anything, we've talked about this last week. Is there too much soccer on TV? Well, we'll just wait. <laughs> There's going to be even more, in term, which is great, which is great news in terms of being able to access uh, what you want and being able to watch, watch your favorite team or, or player. So, c- Jonathan, uh, for those listeners who are tuning in, uh, where can people find you on Twitter and uh, reach out to you?
1: They can find me at The Goalkeeper. Uh... And I, I think enough of them have probably found me at this point sometimes. <laughs> uh, breaking news, fellas. Okay. Right as we're wrapping up the show. Uh, the New York Red Bulls and Ali Curtis have, uh, in their words, mutually
0: agreed to part ways. Ah, uh, We knew that was coming. We knew that was coming. That took a while, though, from, from the first
2: kind of initial uh, rumors, like what, like a month ago? And then kind of, what's been happening for the past month? You know I mean kind of uh, smoke and mirrors or uh, who who knows what? Interesting. Ah, all right, Kotic. So where can people find you if they want to hit you up uh, on Twitter or Facebook and, and uh, send you a message?
0: You can uh, find me at KKFLA737 on Twitter. My Twitter team isn't quite as active as Jonathan's, but it's close. Um, it's, I think we're two of the more active uh, in the soccer intelligentsia community here in the United States. and. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for that breaking news on Allie Curtis. We knew it was coming, and uh, maybe we broke it here, not first, but first time we're discussed on a podcast. And uh, I don't know how that uh, that impacts Jesse Marsh. He's done such a great job, but he was Allie Curtis's guy. So um, let's see what kind of leash he has with Red Bull in the next few years. Alright guys, well, well thank you
2: for listening uh, Listeners, uh, you can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, Audio Boom, And worldsoccertalk.com And uh, be sure to send us your feedback or questions So we can read those out on air And uh, Karthik Krishnaya, over, over to you sir
0: Enjoy your football